Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. of Green Magic, Green Medicine, with your host, Ms. Susan Weed. We're continuing our discussion of the 13 sacred trees. We'll be right back in just a moment. Join us. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Blessed are we in the morning. Blessed are we Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. And thank you, Mr. Nathan Lane, our good friend from the West Virginia area, who did that plug for us quite a while back now. I guess it's been about three, four years. Again, and my new guitar player is from that area, the West Virginia area, and they both have a similar accent way of speaking. Anyway, I see Susan is here, and I'm going to go ahead and turn her microphone on. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. How are you doing this week? Very busy. <laughs> and well. All right. Well, that's just what we want, isn't it? It is. It's better than that lifeless sort of when things aren't going and aren't moving and aren't 
progressing and going in motion kind of thing, right? So it's a... I guess it's a matter of directing it into the right motion. So we're mm, yes, I think that, that that to sailors that place is is the doldrums. Right, exactly. <laughs> Being in the doldrums, we certainly don't want to necessarily be like you know in a, a cyclone or a tornado. Some right. something in between. <laughs> so I'm so nice. I'm so excited that that is indeed. What is happening in your life? I was at the International Herb Symposium this weekend. Oh. And uh, that was uh, rapidly approaching a cyclone or a tornado. There were almost a 1,000 people there. There were like you know, 15 different workshops at a time. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was like, do I want to go to the one I want to go to the most, the second most, third most, fourth most? It <laughs> really <laughs> I attended a workshop on shamanistic rejuvenation techniques. Oh, nice. I really found it quite interesting. There were two primary techniques that were shared, and I can tell you about them, of course, very simply. That doesn't necessarily mean that you can do them, but some of the listeners might be able to, might have enough background to kind of fill in the enormous gaps that I'm leaving here. So one of the techniques was indeed the the most simple of all shamanic techniques, which is to simply go to the source. And of mm-hmm. course, back in the the Spanish conquistadors time, that was the fountain of youth, right? Right. They were looking for the fountain of youth, which is merely the source of all life. It doesn't necessarily stop us from aging; we still get old. But we have a, a kind of childlike excitement, vulnerability, and interest in life. Mm-hmm. That comes from tapping into the source. That comes from, in fact, the grace of having gone through enough difficult stuff to have been broken open. As Elizabeth Kubler-Ross used to say to us, you are a stone, life is a tumbler, is going to break you into little bits and turn you into sand, or are you going to become a beautiful polished gem? Mm, I like that. <laughs> yes, and of course, what's the difference? The difference is coherence. In order to be that beautiful polished gem, you have to keep yourself together. You can't let yourself disintegrate. When it comes to the stress, you can't back off from the stress. You've got to concentrate and get yourself dense enough to deal with that stress. And that's just what my apprentice who burned my barn down and killed all my goats is doing. Oh, gosh. Big thing. Very, very big thing. Well, I'm at the International Herb Symposium. Oh, man. Four fire trucks here. Unable to contain Was the complete disintegration purpose? of the barn and all of its inhabitants. Was it on purpose or accident? It was, of course, <clears throat> what one could call an accident. The apprentices are trained to blow out the candle before they leave the barn. And then after they leave the barn, they are trained to turn around, look at the barn, because if there's a candle on, you can see the light, to be sure it's off. And then they are further trained 
that when they get to the gate leading into the house, they're to stop and to say to themselves, did I blow the candle out? And if they're uncertain, they're to turn and walk back to the barn to be sure. So you could say that it was an accident that none of those things were done, that the candle wasn't blown out, that the apprentice didn't turn to look to see if it was blown out, that she didn't stop herself at the gate and say, is that candle blown out? Certainly it wasn't willful. In other right. words, she didn't like, you know, pour gasoline on the barn oh. and torch it with the intention of killing the goats. And yet it falls in a somewhat gray area, doesn't it? <clears throat> Yeah, she, she did not double check. Um, because we all know that fire burns and that burns things down and then it kills things. We all know that. We're not babies. So I am grieving the loss of companions that I have been with for 42 years. Not that these individual goats were 42 years old, but I've been keeping goats for 42 years. I've been milking goats for 42 years. I've been getting up every morning and ending every day by milking goats or by checking in with my sweetheart and the apprentice who's milking the goats. And now I don't have any goats. Hmm. It's a real shock. It's an incredible shock. I tell you what what is in a way even more shocking, interesting, terrifying, certainly, you know, something that goes along with this show is I I wear um, a Fitbit tracker so that I can track my physical activity and see when I'm sitting around writing too much and need to get up and go for a walk. And there was um a woodland fairy herbalist ball on Saturday night. And so I could bring up the bar graph of my activity. And at the time, my barn was burning and those fire engines were here. I was in the dance floor, dancing. And I was dancing with such power and such energy that everyone else stopped dancing and made a circle around me. And the woman I was dancing with. Are you going to get new goats? Is would be my question. If it's not too soon, just like when one loses a pet in other ways. Right. Yeah. You know. It, it, yes. Because in a way, it's like saying, "Oh, so sorry, you lost your child. You're going to get another one." Yeah. Right. So we do. We understand that about human beings that they really, you know, focus their love and care on a particular object, and a similar object may or may not do it, and. I also know that my brain on grief is not a very wise brain, and it's not a good time for me to make decisions. And yet, certainly there is that question in everyone's mind, and in mine as well. And so I'll tell you in what direction I'm leaning. Okay. Because I'm not going to make a decision for two weeks, is what I've given myself. But I'm leaning toward recreating my barn. And the apprentice who is still here, and I give her all the credit in the world for being still here, and really is going to um, spearhead organizing 
um, getting that to happen. Oh, getting the so money together, paid. getting the people together. Yes, you know, I'll get the plans together. And this year we will, I'm leaning toward, put up a barn. And it'll be very similar to what I had. It really suited me. It was just fine. If I'm emotionally able, I will put it on the same footprint. I don't know. And again, it happened while I wasn't here, so I didn't have to face the full horror of it. You know, in a way, I'm letting myself into it bit by bit. I didn't even go over to that area of the property for the first two days. So you said I haven't even really looked at it. You made it... uh a ceremony with a friend of mine there today, but I didn't go all the way to the bar, burned barn area. And I, when I got to where I could see it, I closed my eyes and turned around and walked backward to it. I haven't not really looked at it yet. Okay. I've so it's it. all very raw right now, is what you're saying? All very. It's it's not even raw yet, because it's like it's like for you, it's outside a window. It's a story that I'm telling you. And you have to trust that I'm telling you the truth to know that it's really happened. And it's right. true in a way for me, too. Okay. That I haven't really seen for myself. I have to trust the story that everyone else is telling me, that my barn burned down, that all my goats are dead. Now, I haven't looked at it, but I know that I'm the front page of the, the local town's newspaper. Hmm. So I'm pretty confident that this story that everybody is telling me is true. But it still isn't really, really impinging on myself yet. I'm, you know, certainly cycling through deep moments of grief where I just feel wrenched. And I'm also cycling through moments of acceptance and serenity. Because if there's anything my work with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross taught me is time doesn't flow backwards. What has happened has happened. Right. And although I value anger and I use my anger, I do my best never to use my anger where it's useless. Okay. And in this situation, is completely useless. What is useful to me here is acceptance and forgiveness. Um, you said the apprentice is still there, so is there... Which surprised me a little bit. When you say, I'm not going to get into too deep into that. I'm just saying, so you've forgiven her to some degree or... or I ask her to forgive me. Hmm. I ask her to forgive me because it's my land and my barn and my goats and my life, and I'm not a victim. And she has an extremely difficult part that she has been asked to play. All right. Yeah, it's like if someone joins your band and you say, we have this song and we want you to play this part, and it is just a wicked part. It's a difficult part. Right. And so I really acknowledge that I'm the one who needs to be forgiven. 
And so we have indeed forgiven each other. Well, that is good. And, very, you know, these things can be difficult. And different responsibilities, delegating, all, the, all that kind of stuff, you know, and the simple mistakes that can happen. I'm not going to comment too much on it. On your because, yeah, because situation. it, right, as we know, it, it doesn't go anywhere. But, you know, I think I've mentioned before a favorite periodical of mine called the Wild Foods Forum. And I was going through some papers, and I found the fall-winter 2014 issue. So I suspect, actually, that it's probably um, kind of the most recent issues, because she's not putting them out really frequently, but hopefully they'll be like a a spring-summer 2015. But guess what fall-winter 2014 is about? You're right, oak. Uh-huh. So I want to read what Vicki Schufer has to say. If there could only be one tree, what would it be? Without hesitation, I would respond, oak, with branches that spread out to nurture you and a buttress to nestle within. Oak provides strength and comfort. Its fruits, acorns are life-sustaining, and its bark is healing. As I snuggled into the hollowed-out base of what used to be my favorite oak tree, I was reminded of these gifts. Feed the people, echoed in my mind, and indeed, its fruits are food. The fruit of the oak is acorn, which is a nut, which contains protein, fat, and calories. It will keep you alive. Oak is the giver of life. Oaks are one of the first trees that I got to know when I was growing up, those in hickories, and they often grow together as part of a mature hardwood forest. In the fall, the nuts covered the forest floor on the family farm in rural Kentucky, where I spent my days. The hickory nuts I would gather to crack and shell to make cookies and cakes, but the acorns I gathered because they were beautiful, all shades of yellow, green, brown, and orange. I tried eating one once. Oh, it was extremely bitter and, and sour, and it just... And dried my mouth out. It's only years later that I learned that, well, they were edible, but you have to know how to prepare them if you want to eat them for food. There are many, many different types of oaks, all of which are Quercus species. In fact, there are more than 300 known species of oaks. Well, more than that, if you add in the hybrids. Oaks are in the beech family, and they're mostly deciduous trees that occur in the temperate, subtropical, and occasionally tropical regions of the northern hemisphere. Oaks bloom in the spring, and they have flowers that form slender catkins. Those are the staminate flowers or the flowers that are the males. The pistillate flowers, which are the girl flowers, are small and inconspicuous, and they develop in the leaf axils. Pollen is carried by the wind from the staminate, the boy flowers, to the pistillate, the girl flowers. And once pollinated, these tiny flowers, which you never see, develop into acorns. All oaks have acorns, which are nuts. Nuts have an outer hull and a shell, and a nut meat within the shell. For the acorn, the outer hull is the cap, 
and then there's the shell, and then the nut meat inside. Now oaks, and I've mentioned this, are basically divided into two groups, although the groups are not really clear. The red oaks, which have veins extending beyond the margins of the leaves, forming bristly tips, and the white oaks with smooth edges on the margins of the leaves. The red oaks take two years for the acorns to mature, while the white oaks have nuts that mature in one year. The red oaks, if you open them up, it's all velvety on the inside of the shell. But the nut, so bitter and tannic and astringent. But the white oaks, those nuts, don't have that velvety stuff inside. It's kind of more like a, a peanut inside, and they're less bitter. We're not saying they're not bitter. We're just saying they're less bitter and they're less astringent. We're not saying that they're not astringent because you've got to deal with those things and get it out of there. So we've got the red oaks with the pointy leaves and the two-year acorns, and they're really pretty unpalatable. And the white oaks, which have round edges and the nuts that are smooth inside, and you can get... White oak acorns with low enough tannin and low enough astringency to soak that stuff out. All oaks contain tannins. The tannins are found in the bark, in the nuts, and in oak galls as well. Tannins are one of the main plant constituents that are responsible for astringency. And historically, tannins are used to tan hides thus tannins, and to turn those hides into leather. Astringent means that it dries and constricts. When I talk about the astringency of oak galls or the astringency of witch hazel, I have the students taste it, but I don't dare taste it. If I taste it and talk to people like that, because it would dry my mouth out and make the inside of my lips stick to my gums and make the my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth. Astringency really dries things out. When we ingest tannins, the protein lining the mouth and the tongue puckers up, causing all those sensations that I just told you about. Now, acorns can be transformed from this bitter astringent nut to a sweet and nutty tasting food. Tannins are water-soluble. All you have to do is remove them through a leaching process that involves mostly soaking the acorns in water. Keeping them there until the water turns dark and then straining it and repeating again and again and again until the water finally doesn't turn dark. There's a number of ways that this is done and either hot or cold water can be used and each one produces different taste results. Using hot water speeds up the process and that's the way that I was shown to do it was to pour boiling water over the nuts or to dump them into a pot with boiling water and it doesn't require shelling and grinding the nuts first. However, cold water leaching produces better tasting nuts and the nuts are going to be optimally good if you shell them and grind them before you leach them. Now that makes a lot of sense. 
So I got a little of uh, one way, a little of the other way, and I'm sure that every group that works with acorns has slightly different way. I did show mine, but then I used boiling water to to leach it out, and then we ground it afterwards. It would certainly reading this, though it makes sense that grinding them first would leach more of the tannins out. Once the tannins have been removed, the acorns can be ground or reground or simply dried and then eaten as flour. If you have done them whole, you can actually eat them as nuts. The astringency of oak, of course, makes it especially useful for dealing with diarrhea and dysentery. My dad said, if you get diarrhea when you're out in the woods, you just use your knife to cut off a thin strip of that bark from that white oak tree, and you chew on it, it's going to stop that diarrhea immediately. The thin strip of bark he was referring to is not the size of a piece of bark, but the inner bark, the thin bark, because the outer bark of the oak is thick. It is through the inner bark that the branches, trunks, and roots that the sap containing the food material that is manufactured in the leaves is distributed. So it's this inner bark that the, all the nourishment of the tree flows through. What's coming up from the roots to the leaves flows through this inner bark. And what's being made by the leaves and flowing down to the roots also flows through this inner bark. Usually, when herbalists talk about tree bark, what we really mean to say is inner bark. And for some reason, we just use a shorthand and say bark. Now, oak bark, as we have established, does work. But oak inner bark will work even better. And if you've ever seen a basket, say, made from oak splits, and you've wondered how they got the oak wood split so fine, often those oak splits are actually the inner bark of the oak, which is strong and quite flexible. Tannins not only stop discharges like diarrhea, they are also anti-inflammatory and antiseptic. Oak is traditionally been used to treat sore throat, skin eruptions, poison ivy, rashes, and burns. Make a tea with one teaspoon of oak bark, and that can be the inner bark or the outer bark, in a cup of water. Bring it to a boil and simmer for no more than 15 minutes. A lukewarm solution of this tea forms a seal that will protect the skin against infections. Oaks are one of the most beneficial trees for wildlife, supporting any number of vertebrate and invertebrate species. Oaks supply a huge amount of nuts for deer, raccoons, turkey, mice, black bears, and squirrels. And my goats loved acorns. It was one of their great treats in the fall to walk the woods snuffling about and looking for acorns. On years where there was a heavy acorn drop, they would spend hours and hours. And as a matter of fact, we had goats who would occasionally get into trouble from eating too many acorns, like a little kid who eats too many chicken drumsticks and just turns kind of green from it. So I can see that they all benefit from and really love the acorns. We also talked about in one of the previous shows on acorns, the black-legged pigs, the pigs of Spain that are fed only on acorns. And going to the markets and seeing the, the, uh, the legs of the pigs color different colors, and each one color-coded to what the pig 
ate the black leg pig, the acorn fed pig, being considered the sweetest, the most delicate, and the best of all. The hollowed out cavities in oak trees are homes for nesting birds, and numerous species of insects use the oaks as host plants. In fact, where I live, it's not rare, although it's not usual, for oaks to die of heart rot so that you have a standing oak with this thick bark and quite a few inches of wood, and it's pretty strong, but the inner part is hollowed out. The woodpeckers come and start pecking at it and actually peck through so that other animals can get into that hollowed out part of the oak and use it as such a safe home. But for many people, it is the insects that um, cohabit and play with the oaks that are of special interest. They produce oak galls, and there are many types of oak galls. Most are produced after a wasp or some other insect deposits its egg on the leaf bud. Oak galls assume many different forms and can occur on all parts of the oak tree. The one that's most used for medicine as an astringent is the round oak gall. It is the most obvious of the oak galls, and my students often see it on the forest floor when we're out in the woods and pick it up and say, what is this? And I always, with a laugh, say, it's a troll egg, and they're, they're not quite sure whether or not to take me seriously since I'm laughing um, and saying something that, that they think is, you know, kind of perhaps foolish or made up, and perhaps it might be. Um, and... I then stop and show them the tiny hole from which this minuscule little wasp emerges. And I say, there's your troll right there. It's a special kind of wasp that uh, really is beneficial to the oak tree. When gathering acorns, look for acorns that have a small round hole in them and remove them. That hole was drilled by a female acorn weasel. She has a long tool for drilling into them, and she lays two to four eggs, which then hatches larvae and feed on the nut meat. Now, I'm not exactly sure what you're telling us here, Vicki. Are you telling us that you don't like that the female acorn weasel is feeding her babies on the acorns, but then it's okay that my goats and the deer ate them? I, I think free access for all creatures to the acorns, humans and weasels. And, hey, you know what? Especially if those weasels are eating those really bitter acorns that we don't like so much, and the goats, too. I, I notice we have both white oaks and red oaks in our forest, and the goats will go for the white acorns over the red ones all the time. Have you ever considered growing an oak? Well, growing an oak is easy, says Vicki Schufer. All you need is dirt and a seed, that's an acorn, and a place to let it grow. If it's a member of the white oak group, it's going to start to germinate in a few days. As a matter of fact, the root on white oaks can start to develop while still on the tree. If you just put white oak acorns in a plastic bag and leave them for a few days, they will start to sprout, and you can plant them in the ground or in a pot, and next spring, voila, you're going to get oak leaves, and then you can plant it out somewhere. Oaks from the red oak group have to be planted and left for a whole year before they germinate. 
And isn't that interesting? Because, of course, one of the things that the squirrels do is busily go around gathering these acorns, right? And then what do they do? They store them by digging them into the ground. They literally plant the acorns. The white oaks say, all right, that's it. I'm planted. I'm growing. And so the squirrels, I'm going to guess, don't get very many of those white oak acorns because they're sprouted and already growing by the time the squirrels go back to dig them up. But the red oak acorns, which wait for a full year before they germinate, are more likely to be eaten by the squirrels. And isn't that wonderful for us and all of the other animals that like the sweet white acorn? And so thank you, squirrels, and thank you, weevils, for eating the bitter acorns and leaving the wonderful white ones for all of us. Right. And once again, we have talked away our entire time here on the Magical Main Street Universe. Wild Food Forum, put out by Vicki Schufer. She's at P.O. Box 61413. And it not only includes wonderful articles by her, there's an article in here, um, Garlic for Ebola by Dr. James Duke, Jim Duke in his Food Pharmacy Forum, and Christopher Nierges with California Fan Palm, a tree I don't know much of anything about. And you can email her, wildfood at coxux.net. Wildfood at cox.net if you want to know more about the Wild Foods Forum. It's $20 for four issues. Okay. Thanks, Vicki. That was a great article on Oak. We really enjoyed it. Yes. And I'll be back next week with you, continuing our Trees of the 13 Moons, of which, of course, the Oak is one, even though we went past it a few weeks ago, right in the middle. I just couldn't resist sharing what Vicki had to say because I thought that it added a lot of interesting things and things that I didn't know about how long it took the acorns to germinate and, and so on. Absolutely. And thank you very much, Susan Weed. And we'll continue our 13 Trees discussion next week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Green blessings. And remember that herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. Good night. All right. Good night. Forbidden archaeology. Forgotten history. Divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
Archaeology, Forgotten History, Divination, Magic, Cryptozoology, UFOs, Nature, Science, and Spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. <laughs> 